Hello, I'm Joe Honeyhockey, and welcome to the Heavenly Social, where I introduce you to our heavenly brothers and sisters. Suffering and sorrow are words that, in general, we don't really like to hear. They might evoke images of sad or dark times in our lives, times that may have pushed us to our very limits. Yet, suffering and sorrow are things that, quite frankly, make us, as Christians, weird. We celebrate the cross, one of the most brutal instruments of execution in history. We celebrate martyrs, those people who gave up their lives, often in horribly tragic ways, in witness to the faith. We, as Catholics, celebrate suffering. Our church is built upon suffering and thrives amidst it, much to our own confusion most of the time. I've brought it up in relation to some figures I've covered on this show, and I'll no doubt be bringing it up again in the future because it's instrumental to our growth and in following the path of Jesus. The saying goes, we all have a cross to bear. Does it not follow then that in bearing our crosses, we're heading to our own Calvary? So today, I'd like to ask you, have you ever desired to meditate deeper on Christ's passion? Have you ever thought about Mary's sorrows? Well, then may I introduce you to a friend who can help you out. Meet St. Bridget of Sweden. Intro. Oh, St. Bridget. A name some might be familiar with, and a name completely foreign to others. Though... You could probably say that uh, about anyone. Whatever. She is the patron saint of Sweden, Europe, and widows. And we celebrate her feast on July 23rd. Man, I am nailing it with these episodes landing near these feast days. Well, okay. Yes, sure. It's still like a month away. And you could argue that I'm just desperate to sound like I plan ahead. But I take and accept these small consolations. Anyways, on to the story of our friend, St. Bridget. She was born in 1303 in the province of Upland, Sweden. This is an area on the eastern central part of the country. And their coat of arms... Are you ready for this? Is the Holy Hand Grenade. Yes, the symbol of this province's flag is the Holy Hand Grenade. Which, okay, I, I mean, it's not literally the, the Holy Hand Grenade. I learned that that is an actual symbol, you know, the little orb with the cross on it, called a Globus Cruciger. Well, so, on top of actually having a pretty cool name, it also has some pretty neat symbolism. But, okay, getting back onto track, St. Bridget was born in this province to a powerful and wealthy family. Her father was the governor of the area, and his name was Berger Person. 
and her mother was Ingeborg Benget's daughter. And, fun fact, her mother was of the same bloodline as the Swedish royal family. So, that's kind of cool. Bridget had two younger siblings, named Catherine, who was a year younger than her, and Israel, her younger brother, who was nine years younger than her. The family was intensely pious, with their father, Berger, leading the family in their faith, while their mother was the primary educator. However, when Bridget was ten years old, her mother died, and the further education of the children fell to their aunt. It was also at this same age that Bridget apparently received her first vision of Jesus. She saw him hanging on the cross, and when she asked him who had done this, Jesus answered, All those who despise my love. This interaction remained with her and inspired her devotion to Christ's passion. A few short years later, when she was about 13 or 14, she was married to a man named Ulf Gudmarsson, who ended up as a lord of the province of Nark. They had a happy and faith-filled marriage. Together, they had eight children, and from what I have found, all eight survived infancy, which I'm sure I don't need to tell you, but that's like practically unheard of for the time. Okay, well, now if you'll remember, Bridget was related to the royal family of Sweden, and perhaps it might be because of this, but uh, she was asked by the king, Magnus IV, to be the lady-in-waiting for the new queen, a woman from France named Blanche of Namur. Okay, now I, I fully admit I had to look up what the heck a lady-in-waiting was, and uh, apparently it is just somebody who tends to the needs of the queen. And in this case, kind of the instruction on the cultures of the country. So, there you go. If you didn't know, now you do. Kind of. So, all of this would have been around the year 1335, so Bridget would have been 32 years old. Well, a few years later, in 1341, she traveled on a pilgrimage with her husband, Ulf, to Santiago de Compostelo, which is in northwest Spain, now, if you do the math, that's a long trip. Well, apparently pilgrimages must have been a whole different ordeal back then than it is today, because it looks like they actually spent a couple years at this place, and didn't start coming back until the year 1344. Well, on the road back, Ulf grew seriously ill, and... Through Bridget's prayers, he miraculously recovered and was fine for the remainder of the trip home. But once he got back home, he fell sick again. And that same year, 1344, he went into the care of the Cistercian monks at the Alvastra Abbey. And it was there that Ulf died. Well, so Bridget, understandably mourned the loss of her husband. I mean, they had been married for just under 30 years. 
approximately 27. Following his death, she spent a lot of time in prayer and was really seeking guidance from Jesus on what to do and where to go. Well, her prayer was answered and Jesus appeared to her in a vision and instructed her to found a new religious order in order to reform the church, to renew the spirit of faith, where it had grown to stagnate amongst other orders elsewhere in Europe. It seems that this vision, among scores of others, were recorded during this time, as she described them to the prior of the abbey, named Peter Olofsson, and he in turn transcribed them into Latin. Some of these, and many others, are included in a book that was eventually published a few decades after her death, and this book is available today. So all you really have to do is check out The Revelations of St. Bridget of Sweden, and you'll get her writings and and just all of this stuff. Really, really interesting stuff. And, but I'll get more into those here in a bit. Anyways, King Magnus ended up donating a palace and some land for the undertaking of Bridget's new order, which would have been primarily for women. This order came to be known as the Bridgetines. In 1349, at the behest of Christ in a vision, Bridget left Sweden for Rome with her daughter Catherine. Now, there were a couple goals here. One was to help encourage the Pope to return to Rome, since at this time, the seat of the papacy had moved to Avignon, France. And the other one, the other goal, was to obtain papal permission for her order, or the papal approval for her order, through which, again, she sought to bring about reform in the church. Obviously, if the Pope wasn't in Rome, then, I mean, there had been you know, several decades that the Pope was in Avignon. Uh, there was kind of a tumultuous period there. So she ended up staying in Rome for the rest of her life in order to try and accomplish these things. During her time there, she gave herself over to acts of charity and tended to the poor, to the homeless and the sick, all while writing to leaders, writing to the Pope, and really trying to inspire this reform and bring unity back. Well, Pope Urban V attempted to actually move the papacy back to Rome, and for a multitude of reasons, he ended up unsuccessful. But while he was visiting Rome, he approved the rule of Bridget's order in 1370. So, to give you an idea... She arrived in Rome during the Jubilee year of 1350, and the rule for her order got approved in 1370, so that's, a, that's 20 years that she ended up spending in Rome. And uh, at that time, she would have been about 67. Well, in 1372, she received a vision from Christ urging her to visit the Holy Land. Now, she did so, and shortly upon returning to Rome in 1373, she passed away. 
having died on July 23rd. She was canonized in 1391 by Pope Boniface IX, who, I might add, at that point in time, the papacy had in fact returned to Rome. So, there was that. Even, even though she didn't witness it, it's still, well, I guess, obviously happened. Anyways, she ended up becoming very popular, in part because of the, all of these visions that she had, and the, the publication of these visions, uh, because there was a, a fair number of devotions that came as a result of her visions, and one devotion that you could say kind of got revived because of because of this. But again, I'll get into that. Uh, well, now, <laughs> Saint Bridget was a mystic, and as I've indicated, she received a lot of visions from our Lord and the Blessed Virgin Mary. Now. I didn't really include them in her story as I couldn't really pinpoint the time that some of these occurred, but they are nonetheless wonderful, and I would like to briefly go over three of them. One such devotion, or I guess a spiritual exercise, is referred to as the 15 Prayers of St. Bridget. Now, this practice was approved by Pope Pius IX in 1862, and I guess on that note, I should also mention that these are all considered private revelation, and so they aren't a matter of salvation, meaning that you don't, if you're uncomfortable with like the practices or you just don't even really believe that you know these visions occurred, that's not actually really a big deal like it's it's fine you don't you don't have to practice these like i said they they aren't necessary for salvation but the church has approved them so if you do want to partake in them you can trust that that they are good that they are good for the soul and uh, that they will help you on your journey okay so it's i guess i just wanted to throw that little disclaimer out there so yeah, this one was uh, approved in 1862, and remember how Bridget was impacted by a vision of our Lord on the cross? Well, apparently she longed to know how many times our Lord had been struck. Well, when she was praying in the church of St. Paul in Rome, Jesus appeared to her and told her the following, I received 5,480 blows upon my body. If you wish to honor them in some way, say 15 Our Fathers and 15 Hail Marys with the following prayers for a whole year. When the year is up, you will have honored each one of my wounds. Our Lord then taught her 15 prayers to accompany this. And I should also note that if you were to do the math there, 15 Our Fathers and Hail Marys and these prayers would add up to 5,475. So the other five would then be like the five wounds of Christ, you know, his hands, feet, and side, uh, which are generally distinguished as their own. So just wanted to clarify that. Uh, anyways, 
along with this, he also gave her 21 promises, which I, I won't list here, but I strongly encourage you to check them out. Now, Pope Clement Twelfth also approved a series of prayers meant to honor the seven times Jesus' blood was spilled. So this would be one prayer for each time, meant to be recited every day for 12 years. And with that, our Lord offers five pretty incredible promises for that devotion. The final devotion I would like to draw attention to is the devotion to the seven sorrows of Mary. Now, this is a devotion that's been around for a very long time and existed well before St. Bridget's time. But recall that hers was a time of reformation. Mary's seven sorrows had all but been forgotten. So, our Blessed Mother appeared to St. Bridget and had this to say, I look around upon all who are in the world, if perchance there may be any to pity me and meditate on my sorrows. And truly, I find very few. Therefore, my daughter, though I am forgotten by many, at least do not you forget me. Behold my anguish, and imitate as far as you can my grief. Mary revealed to St. Bridget seven promises to coincide with each of her seven sorrows. Again, I won't list them off here, just for the sake of time, but... I really highly encourage you to look these up. It's now the Seven Sorrows of Mary devotion is something very simple. It's very easy to do. And uh, and at the same time there's a lot of material out there regarding this. And uh it provides for some very powerful meditating material. So, check it out. Alright, now with all of this said, you might be wondering what virtue I think St. Bridget exemplified. Well, there's a few, like always. But what stands out to me is her patience. We've all heard it, that patience is a virtue. If you want to get technical, though, patience is actually a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Okay, yes, I realize that those are effectively the same thing, since it's by the graces of God that we can grow in virtue, and it's in allowing ourselves to be possessed by the Holy Spirit that we bear these fruits, of which patience is one of them. There's probably some nuanced distinction there that I am not qualified to discover at this moment, but... I, I guess then again, I just, I don't, I, I'm, no oh dear, I, I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, patience, yes, Bridget's life consisted of waiting. As evidenced by her desire to know how many wounds our Lord bore, only for him to answer her after many years of her having to ask. She didn't receive her calling to form a religious order until she was well into the later years of her life. And, in fact, she never even really saw the fruits of that labor. 
she saw the approval by the Pope, but she herself never went back to Sweden to execute the plan. That ended up falling to her daughter, Catherine, who kind of took up the mantle and uh, brought Bridget's plan to fruition. Also remember that one of the reasons that Bridget went to Rome was because Christ wanted her to see the return of the papacy. Well, that didn't happen in her life. So, all this time, Bridget had to be patient. She remained faithful and obedient to God. Perhaps this stuck out to me because patience is a major theme in my life right now. But even so, through Bridget's example, we find that when we place our faith in God without the expectation of a return, when we allow ourselves to be content simply being with him in prayer, that is when the fruit of patience will blossom. And when it does, we'll find that we can endure any challenge. And so, I say, St. Bridget, pray for us. That does it for this episode. Keep your patience in the faith. And one day, someone might just tell your story. See you next time. And outro. Our church is built upon suffering and thrives amidst... Oh my gosh. This order came to be known as the Brigentines. As the Brigitines. All this talk of royalty has me thinking of a king whose namesake just happens to be a tad close to home. See ya.